This is She Said, He Said, hosted by Sin Wright and F. Christopher Blue, where she talks, he talks, she listens, he listens, and their points and perspectives are shared with others, as well as others contribute to the conversation as well. She Said, He Said, a series available on a More Than Therapy podcast. And welcome to another episode of She Said, He Said. Today, Mercedes and I will talk about Black men and mental health. How are you doing today, Sin? I'm doing great. How are you today, Blue? I'm doing well. Um, Somebody who um, helps me regarding my mental health when he um, was kind enough to play basketball with me is on the line today. I would like to activate his mic. Um, Say no if you don't want to be on the mic, Ant. No, I have no problem being on the mic, brother. There you go, there you go. Anthony's one of my um, neighbors, and he assists me with getting back into physical shape by playing basketball and getting out and about. Otherwise, I'm a, I find myself isolated and withdrawn because I work from home as a telehealth therapist. And my daughter does virtual learning, so that's also an issue. And, you know, pandemic has really impacted North Carolina, so I think my mental health has been more impacted as of late more than usual but today we're just going to talk about mental health I guess in a broad sense in some ways and um and personal stories as, as it relates to that as well and we have um two other guests on as well I have um there's another guest on oh hold on one second I actually let me check okay um we have like two other people in here with us as well um just to start off, um, because I'm actually going to fall back from this conversation. Um, as much as I love my she said, he said segment, this segment is not about me. Um, it can definitely affect me, um, considering that we all um, face a lot of the same hurdles. But I think the struggle for the Black man in this country is a lot more heavy than it is for the Black woman. And in both senses, it's terrible. But um, again, Blue, I'm going to let you take over and I'm just going to fall back. Right. Black men are notorious for not taking care of their medical needs and their mental health needs. And why is that? Because society itself has said that we're supposed to be strong. Our our moms, our dads tell us that we shouldn't cry, that we shouldn't feel certain things, that we should man up in situations which are more than appropriate to have some emotional outlet. And we go forward regarding this. Media teaches us to be strong and to be you know what I'm saying, void of emotion, you know, music and movies, um, television, the comic books that we read, the magazines that we read, the bravado that we've been, um, that's been forced into, ingrained into our culture, into our mind states, that we feel we, if we show anything other than being hard or anything other than void of emotion in some cases, that we'll be deemed weak or, you know, back when I was a kid, how they would use um, sexual slurs such as faggot or sissy, if you did so. Um, I find that though all this has impacted us or this has been the case, there is a turn, but I just don't see enough Black men turning towards the turn. In my practice, I've been practicing in North Carolina since 2000. Why do we even use the word practice? I've been doing mental health in North Carolina since 2009 came from South Carolina, where I used to do vocational rehabilitation. And I've never, ever had more than 10% of my caseload of men, period. And maybe 4% were Black men. So even on my caseload now, I don't have a a single Black man on my caseload currently of a caseload of 30. I previously had two um, Black African-American men on my caseload, you know what I'm saying? they were forced into therapy through like probation requirements and things like that. So it's not like they willingly went forward and got mental health um, stabilization or help when their time, when their probation was over, when their mental health mandates were over, then of course they discontinued though. They still could use a surmountable support regarding mental health. I think the pandemic has also complicated that in such ways. Where did black men usually get their mental health? Um, 
or you know their wellness, their support. A lot of times it was barbershops, you know, and the, the pandemic closed down a lot of the barbershops um, or set the hours differently that only one person, one patron can be in at any given time. That was a place that sometimes people would go that they wouldn't necessarily go to get a haircut. They'll go to sit in somebody's chair and just chat it up for two and three hours. Same with church. Church was a, a place that some would probably go to get support or to get, you know what I'm saying, some kind of healing. Even with that closed down, people think that telehealth, doing it via Zoom and via, te- and via you know, these video ways is the way to go, but there's a disconnect there. You know, we need the energy of other people in many cases, you know what I'm saying? Um, Anthony, how are you taking care of your mental health during, especially during these daunting times? Well, I'm taking care of my mental health. I mean, every chance I get, I mean, it's a day-to-day process. Uh, we never know how we're going to perceive things. We have a an, an idea of how we're going to and take things, but um, that's just in and itself. I'm feeling comfortable with self, but once you interact with other with other folks, um, especially your black brothers and black sisters, we have a tendency to feel a familiarity. But what some of us fail to realize that everybody's upbringing is different. Mm-hmm. So my struggles may not necessarily be the next person's struggles or uh, the brother's struggles may not necessarily be my struggle. I mean, I used to grow up in the projects in New York City and Queens. Mm-hmm. And I remember a lot of brothers used to tell me like, oh, well, you know, you're lucky, you're fortunate. You know, you don't, you never sold drugs and blah, blah, blah. But that's because you got two good parents yeah. that raised you. I'm like, I got good two parents. And yeah, I'm fortunate for that. But that's not the reason. You know, you look at, you can see certain drug kingpins that um, had their parents that raised them right and grandparents, and they still chose the wrong path. So, you know, we have to take accountability, a lot of people sometimes for our own actions and be responsible for that. You know, like, don't look for excuses, especially when somebody else is doing what you feel is better than you. You don't know the struggles or what they had to do to stay focused or stay strong. You know, some are pretty much weaker than others. And I hate to use the word weak, but tetanus, but when I look at it, that's what it is. When some people fall victim to certain circumstances or they let certain things break them. I think about the black man in the work field, which I um, worked tons of places throughout the city. And, you know, they don't realize that people will literally push your buttons on purpose mm. and look for a reaction for you, look for a rise. Yeah. So that you can flip out, you know, that black, the angry black man, and then they'll run to the supervisor. He told you. So you've been set up f- from the beginning, but not realizing you just gave over so much power, letting somebody control, you know, your, your feelings, your actions, you know, gave them power over you to control you, control your emotions. And I think about a lot of brothers and, you know, I look at me and how I stay focused and never I mean, I've been arrested like most brothers, but I never did time. I never got locked up for things. Um, but I, like I said, I stayed headstrong. I never let nobody push me to that limit, even though it's not easy. But other people will. And the thing I used to hate to see other brothers kind of hype other brothers to, into doing something that they'll regret. Right. Oh, you're going to let them talk to you like that? Or oh, you're going to do that? Instead of saying, you know what, bro, don't worry about it. You have a few brothers that will, you know, try to diffuse the situation. But then other brothers will hype it up and then say they was just playing. I didn't really mean that. Yeah. But you amped it up. You made, you made him feel like he was less of a man to have somebody else talk to him that way. Right. You know, right. and all this, you know, is a part of, you know, your mental health because it's how you handle things mentally when people talk to you. Um, you have to realize what's more important. Yeah. You know, and the road that you set for yourself is the, is the only thing that's important. And, you know, your life and, and your kids. And you have to... Re- a lot of people feed off of negative energy for some reason. And some people just spew hate. They speak out of hatred. And I know some brothers and prophets and Muslims, and as much as I respect what they say, some of them come from, a, I don't hear a lot of love. And I hate to say it like that, but it's speaking from a place of hate yeah. a lot of times. Um, same thing with our former crappy uh, Trump. You know, Trump never said anything out of love. But you see how many followers he had that 
had that hate in them and you know stood behind them and it's like what's going on that surprised me even though i knew we had a lot of racism out here i never knew that there was that many people that you know and then for them to take over the capitol building just is just outrageous but in this day and age and then seeing a black president it's like we we seen too much now where we should know that we can make a difference you know, uh, because change has happened. Even though change has happened, there's still a lot of stuff and, and negative stuff and stuff that we heard we have to jump over. But let's not forget the progress that we have made because you can't, even though we still going through racism, still experiencing disrespect and a lot, a lot of other levels, we still can't move into certain neighborhoods. You cannot say that things are not different than it was in the 50s and the 60s. You know, we have made a lot of progress, you know, but it's just, it's a matter of staying focused and being true to who you are and, and where you want to go in life. But that brotherhood and that, what's up, my brother? That's a, you know, that's a change that I noticed when I moved from New York City to North Carolina. You know, my city is not so friendly. You know, we have a, a barrier we put up. So, we, you know, we don't really look at each other with love or, or even respect for that matter. But to each one teach one like our way of respecting one another is just don't say nothing don't even look at me then you respect me mm -hmm. and for brother to brother that's like wow that's you know that's, that's what the enemy wants they don't want us to come together because they know how strong we can be yeah, and then when i come to the south it's somewhat the same but i get a lot of love for everybody but if i go by the hood here in the south it's still the same kind of you know things like that they're not showing love like that. I can't hardly, say, I mean, I could say what's up to some brothers and they may say it back. Mm -hmm. But if I have to actually think about it, you know, like, can I say, you know, like, I shouldn't have to really think to say, how's it going, bro? You know, how's it going? You know, I don't have to say black man, just how's it going, period. And I shouldn't get that concept of like, well, I don't know you, you know? So for that reason, that's why I say a lot of times we just have to focus on ourselves and it's, it's difficult with each one teach one, but if we come together and just, it's all a matter of respect. I don't have to like you. I don't have to like what you do. Right. If you poison the community, do what you do, but don't disrespect me. I respect I respect everybody. I treat everybody accordingly. Um, you know, that's your life. You have to live with that. I mean, I don't like you, but I can still respect the fact that you're a human being. You know what I mean? I'm not to go off on a tangent, but you know, but these things I noticed affect me when I used to try to mentor young people. I used to find myself getting emotionally passionate and angry. I say, oh, I can't even talk about this in a calm manner. So they're going to look at me like, oh, why are you getting so angry, brother? I was like, because I don't see how y'all don't get it. <laughs> you know, it's like, why is it so hard, you know, like to see what you're doing is wrong or destructive. And there's so many other things that you can do, you know, but you just, as a greed, you figure like this money is fast money. I can get so much more money in a week than I can working at McDonald's or whatever. Yeah, you can, but your freedom is at risk though. So you're still a slave. You don't see that, but they can arrest you at any given time. Or you think they don't know. So it's like, but when I have to break down the science to people, I'm like, how do you not know this? But a lot of people really don't or because everybody's upbringing is different, like I said. So they may have only seen a lot of drug stuff in, a, in where they grew up and that's all they figured that's all they did know so and then they, the point of being somewhere else or something positive is something you know not illegal so to speak they feel it's too much of a challenge for them you know and that's just a, a hurdle that i wish we all can kind of help each other get over you know like for the most part i mean yeah we have, there's a lot of brothers and sisters that are doing positive things in life and and chose the right path and even if they chose the wrong path they got they corrected themselves and you know we should all be applauded but at the end, at the same time not really turning our back on everybody else that's the part that becomes a challenge because like well i did it so nobody really helped me so i gotta help them but when you really think about it somebody may have helped you you just don't realize it. even just with little words they might have said to you and even if they haven't what's so wrong with helping somebody else I think generally speaking, there's a lot of division in the black community, you know, on both sides, as far as like gender roles go. Like you said, if you're in the hood, you got your gang affiliations and some of us just aren't associated with those things. Um, some black men are just on a straight and narrow. You go to work, you do what you're supposed to do or whatever. Then you have other things that divide you like financial status. 
It's something else that divide, further divides the black community and more so, in my opinion, black men. Um, because it's a status thing, whoever got the most money. Um, and I would also say your upbringing and your background. Um, like you're not really, some people just ain't hood enough, but then also you're not, for lack of better words, bougie enough either to roll with a certain type. So you kind of fall in the middle. And that division, it doesn't help either way. It actually further hurts any type of unity that we that we want for in the black community. And I can only imagine what it does to what should be the leader of the black community, which is the black man. Those, those, it's almost like you have to categorize yourself and find where you go. But the moment that you aren't here or there and you're in the middle, you're a sellout. You're one of the, uh, you're, you're never, it's never anything positive. So that's just a little, what I took from what you stated or whatever, but I, it, it, it's terrible. It's, it's really bad. Um, as a woman, I don't have to deal with that as much, but I can see how that totally affects you guys totally differently than it would affect a female trying to find out where she fits in her own surroundings. Yeah, it's challenging, you know, and I think about the term man up and um, just growing up when I was young, I was always a daydreamer, you know, and I was into my music, did my work. I never really flunked out but I was the daydreamer so I didn't really I didn't go as further far as I could have with you know classes and, and getting the A pluses and stuff like that and then I was a girl chaser I love the women you know pretty faces uh, but I noticed at one point in the, especially in the projects that a lot of the girls some you know don't really matter what your face is like if you're pretty or not some of them would tend to gravitate towards the young you know dudes in the street running around you know making it the street money um because they had they were able to buy the little fancy clothes and jewelries which you know i never was into all that jewelry stuff anyway but i did have a little jewels but at the end of the day i'm like i didn't realize then it wasn't until i got older where i had terms like oh well girls like bad boy you know and it's like that in me so it's like it never broke me to want to do bad things just to get a girl thank god you know but I started realizing that um, it's, 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 it became like, what's the in thing or what's popular? And I never been one to jump on a bandwagon. It was always like, well, what I want, what's best for me and what I, I like. But when you see a lot of people, when I ask certain people why they chose the path they chose, they just feel like they had no options. And I'm like, how could you, out of everything, <laughs> you know, like we in a country that's free technically and but I'm, when I say that I mean like we we I think we always have a choice you always have a choice some countries you don't have a choice you know like it's just one way and that's just what it is and that's what you do um but in America we have a choice no matter what kind of poverty you grow I mean if you're homeless you still have a choice you know um it's not as easy as others of course but I, my thing is like something made you either give up or say I'd rather take this route than that route. And it does have a lot to do with your upbringing. And, and, but I think for the most part, everybody has some kind of knowledge of self and some kind of common knowledge. Mm -hmm. Someone in your life told you something positive or about the right road to take, even if it's a stranger. Someone gave you some type of influence where, well, yeah, maybe I should go that route. Right. A lot of them don't realize it until they get caught or locked up in the system and then some brothers feel like, well, then I'm not, I'm being a punk. If I sell out and go the right path, they're going to look at me as a sucker. Who, well, who cares what the hood looks at you as? Like, this is your life you live in. You're living for, for right. you know, yourself. Or how, you living for how impactful is that person going to be in your life in five years? Exactly. Five <laughs> minutes from then or 10 minutes from then, a day from then. You know what I'm saying? I think people invest too much in people and not enough on themselves. Um, yeah. There's a lot of barriers to seeking help, but the barriers are only, how you say, mentally unrealistic expectations, like for male and female roles. It's like I said before, you know, you think as a man, you're not supposed to seek out help or get help or things like that because, you know, you're supposed to be strong and you're supposed to be this and you're supposed to be that. And I think a lot of people avoid it. I ain't gonna lie. I remember when um, my wife got back from a long tour and we were um, having marital problems. And she was like, we need to go to therapy. And I was like, I ain't going to therapy. You the one who went to war, you go to therapy. 
And after mm. you get your help, I go get my, we can go to counseling after that. So she said, like, nah, she, she wasn't with that because she felt it was a couple's thing and had nothing to do with her individual issues. And I, you know, reflecting on it now, I know that, you know, a lot of the negative maladaptive behaviors that I was doing was contributing to the um, conflict in a relationship. And if you know better, you know better, you do better. But it's that internal pride. It's like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. They're not going to, one, gang up on me or make me look less than, so I'm not going to do it. You know what I'm saying? A, a strong regret now, but, you know. Another thing is um, access. Therapy can be quite expensive. You know what I'm saying? Um, I mainly see Medicaid clients. So, you know, that's not an issue for them. But for people like Joe Blow, who works at um, Pfizer Pharmaceuticals or Blue Cross Blue Shield <laughs> or any company, uh, a bulldozing company or something like that, he might not be able to, his, his insurance policy might not be able to give him a good discount on therapy. You know, it may cost him a little pretty penny, a pretty penny that he could put something else that's more important, like groceries or clothes or electricity or gas in his car. Um, I, th- I find that often than not, sometimes when I talk to black men, this is something they, they discuss. I got to pay child support. How I look paying $150 for an assessment for outpatient therapy. Respect. I can totally understand that. I can totally dig that as a person who also pays child support. Um, <clears throat> um, but there's options out there. I mean, let's, 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 not, let's not be fooled. You know, the sliding scale, you know, which means you pay less based on your um, income level. And there's online um, options like BetterHelp and Talk Therapy that gives you talk space that gives you options for therapy as well. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you can go to a group as a group rate might be cheaper. You know, you have to discuss your issues amongst others, but then it might be, it might be better because you will have that support of other males going through that same issue. Um, And it's funny that you said something about like insurance and different things like that. Like you wouldn't believe how much of a difference that will make like based on what you have access to. Um, a lot of times when you have things like Medicaid and things like that, and you go to certain facilities, they'll actually have those resources out there in front of you. Whereas when I go to like private practices, you don't see it as much. And a lot of those private practices aren't necessarily geared towards the black community It's geared towards helping people in general. And they're not really concerned totally about our mental health as much. Um, but just to piggyback off what you stated, um, actually both of you, you and Blue, Anthony and Blue stated about, um, you know, mental health and also like the military and things like that. We actually have a special guest on tonight um, by the name of Mr. Wright. And um, the reason it just came to mind for me um, with him is because we're talking about early life as an adolescent, the choices you make, because we all have different routes. Every last one of us on this call today could have been a drug dealer. Um, every last one of you. Um, you could have been anything. So I kind of want him to share his story um, and how even being in the military may have affected him along the way. Um, so Mr. Wright, whenever you're ready, if you're available. If he's there. I don't know guys, I think he's muted. Let me look at participants. Well, I'll let him interject when he's ready. Um, But like you said, there are different paths. We didn't consider just like, of course, outside of the nine to five, the military is one of them. And I have noticed that when growing up, even when I was young, um, I actually looked at the military as a way out um, of some of the poverty and some of the things that I went through growing up. Um, And it wasn't necessarily, I didn't have a bad childhood, but like the struggle of a single mom and things like that. When you look at that, I'm like, well, I can easily go to college, but then what? You know what I'm saying? So there, uh, there are so many different avenues besides the nine to five um, that that's presented to the black community that may or may not be necessarily what we want, but we do what we have to to make it work. And uh, Mr. Wright, if you're available now, I will shut up. <laughs> yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I had to um, press star six. <laughs> Okay. Um, Wow. I would say, you know, my story goes quite a few years. And and 
you know, being a country boy in South Carolina, you know, running around half barefooted, um, nappy headed, um, and, and, and coming from, I don't know, I, I would say if I look back on it, coming from nothing because there was really no real mentorship given, um, you know, other than I think what, you know, don't do drugs, don't get anybody pregnant, don't make bad grades in school, don't fail school. Um, pretty much that was it. Uh, you know, college wasn't spoken about a lot or at all. Uh, school counselor definitely didn't call me in to take a SAT. I didn't know what SAT was, honestly, until I was in the military. Um, so as we talk about uh, the mental health in the black community, uh, when I look at it now, based on my experience, and I did 28 years in the military, I uh, went to combat seven times. Uh, I probably spent 12 years in combat. So, but when I look back on, you know, my younger days coming up before the military, um, it was never a goal in the black, in my community. I would say, what's the goal? Like, what's the hard goal that you want to, you know, be in life or do? So uh, that was never a thought. It was just kind of day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month type stuff. Um, I don't remember planning too far in advance. Um, and, and I would say that's probably the initiation of our mental health issues or or. I won't say issues, I say um, mental health struggles. I'll call them that because we don't know how to deal with them. We, we usually know how to deal with the issue, but a struggle is kind of a difficult thing because uh, we can never find the answer to a struggle because um, it's kind of constant. So I would say not having that, that goal or that target. So guess what we do? We sit around and watch TV. TV say, hey, this is how you get through life. You get a gun, you get some women, you get some money, and, and your friends are with you. That's the bond. Um, you know, media will tell you uh, a husband, wife, a dog, two kids, a picket fence. That's the American dream you strive for. And, and kind of like I've said before, that's just the, the trick to keep you employed and working for industry. Um, and, and all this thing, all these things, it's kind of, it's no goal. It's no target. So we struggle to have self-identification. So when we have, when we struggle with that, it affects relationships. It affects friendships um, because we're all looking for something. We're all looking to be fed something and just so happen that folks in our circles can't feed us anything because they don't have anything substantial that they're going for to pass on other folks, pass on to other folks. Um, you know, and, and and when we see these politics going on in every election, what do they say? The kitchen table. Right. Kitchen table. And, and I would say, man, you know, growing up, it was never too many constructive things said at the kitchen table other than the cornbread is dry or good or the food tastes good, or, you know, I didn't really have too many conversations about really how my day was, how I was feeling, um, what am I doing tomorrow? So I think it initiates there. Uh, And and as we go through life, since we have that struggle to not have self-identification, and and, and understand what I mean by that, as in what's the goal? Can you see your life throughout your, you know, can you see throughout your life with a goal in mind? And, and most most folks can't plan that far ahead. Uh, and it's not that they can't do it. It's just there's never been ingrained and taught. Um, and I think that's part of the mental health struggle. And I've seen everything, you know, the deal, military and other countries. You've seen, I've kind of seen it all, like a lot of folks have seen it all. Um, and just imagine you growing up as a child 
no true direction. As a teenager, no true to direction. As a young adult, no true direction. At some point, your mind is going to be just cluttered with crap. And, and that struggle is going to be to the point to where you're not beneficial to yourself. Even if you're sacrificed for everybody around you, you're not beneficial to yourself. Why? Because when you lie down at night, it's a struggle. The pain comes, or even the joy. You know, everything is not painful, of course, but the struggle comes, and you just close your eyes and forget about it. And then you wake back up and you get back into your routine. Um, and, and, and I think that's, uh, that's something that we all kind of deal with, no matter um, at what level, low, high, medium, or super high. Um, and, and I think the first thing to do, the, the first way to deal with it is facts, being truthful to yourself, as in asking yourself, what do I want? What do I want? And you think about your life, we think about our life, and we answer that question with hard facts. Not TV facts, not, you know, friend facts, um, because like you said a second ago, we'll go through life um, making what somebody think about us as a priority. Um, and their life is just as messed up as anybody else's. Right. Um, you know, so I would say probably that's maybe one of one way, in my opinion, to deal with mental health is determining what an individual wants. What do I want in life? Um, because I can go to a doctor and I can pay three, four or five thousand dollars. You know what he's going to ask me after or she after so many visits? What do you want? You know, people go to church all the time, like you said earlier. And and it's a stigma to have mental issues. So we hide it, act like we don't, but we do, and that's even worse. Um, but we go to church. And from what I've always known now, and one thing that I can remember, you know, and and this is my opinion, you know, Mr. Wright's opinion only. I can remember the photo of the footprints in the sand. Well, you see two sets and then you see one. And then it specifically says that, you know, Jesus or God carried you through. That's when he was carrying you or, or that's when the God was carrying you. But I always know that they might carry you for a moment, but they put you back down to handle your own business. Right. So I think that's one of the things that we have to do as black men, black women is really look in the mirror and, and ask ourselves, what do we want? Um, that's just a summary of what I had, Ms. Wright. Okay, thank you, Mr. Wright. And I do have a quick question. Um, mm -hmm. Do you feel as if when you made the decision when you were younger to join the military that possibly, of course, we can always say what if, but you know, do you think your life would have been totally different had you went with, your, with another option than the 28 years in the military? Um, if I had to stayed home, I just would have been in some dead end job, probably working okay. at some plant, you know, working at some plant. Um, and like you said, you know, everybody has opportunity, you know, it's kind of a, like a key start business. Everybody has opportunity to get into drugs and crime. That's like, Hey, I got the key. Here's a golden key for you. Um, and I don't know if that would have come along. Maybe, maybe not. I can't, I can't say, but one thing I have never done, I, I never look back. True. And every day will be, as long as I breathe, a positive day. So right. that's kind of how I looked at that. Thank you so much. Okay. No problem. If I could interject at this point, as I listened to Mr. Wright and heard him put forth that one needs a, a goal or a path or some type of direction. That's a, a valid point. 
because it speaks to, as I see it, a, a level, if you will, of self-worth. As long as you have uh, in your mind an acceptance of, of, of who you are and that you are valuable to this life, that the direction of, of going forth, regardless of the obstacles that are presented, are, 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 is, is something that is valuable to your mental health, all right? Because we're often aware of, it, of, of uh, systemic racism, okay? And it comes from fear of someone that you're getting something that they're not getting or that you're presented in a possible position of taking something from them, all right? And for them to feel good about themselves, they got to put you down, all right? So it comes to, as for me, all right, I don't listen to that noise, okay? Uh, because I have to be master of my own fate. If, 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 if you understand uh, what I'm saying. So the uh, suggestion of, uh, of Mr. Wright to strive forward, to have a goal, that's something that, that, that gets you up every day, <laughs> all right? Because you look at it as if so, this is something that I have to do, okay? Um, personally, for me, I have... Uh, two kids, two adult kids. My daughter who is 49 and I have a son who is 38, all right? Uh, both of them are out of the house. Uh, while they were here and even now, all right, it's incumbent upon me to establish a presence before them as to how one gets through life daily. Okay, and I'm a person of faith. Okay, so it's, it's, it's trusting God that each day he's gonna get me through the trials, the tribulations, or the obstacles, all right? I don't look at difficulty as something that's going to defeat me or consume me. I look at difficulties as a means of making me strong. So life for me is, is, is developing strength for the difficult times that are coming my way just because I'm human. Um, and uh, Mr. Blue, you mentioned uh, earlier the solace, the support that church going brings to black men or black people, all right? And with the pandemic, there's the isolation that comes in where I don't get that interaction with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So that is presents a time when, okay, am I gonna trust God to carry me through this, all right? And, and I have to say yes, okay? Because what other hope is there <laughs> other than God for, 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 for an individual of faith, okay? And I strive each day to continue on in that belief and that trust and that faith that God's gonna carry me through this. And one day this too will end, <laughs> okay? So uh, the, the, the uh, talk that uh, Anthony presented relative to the interaction with other brothers and, 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 and sisters and, and, and having the reservation as to whether I should speak uh, to someone when I speak to someone, it's for me, all right? Me getting out of my comfort zone and opening up to a stranger, or at least me presenting a situation where I'm acknowledging you as a human being. So that's why I'm speaking to you, all right? You don't have to say anything back to me, all right? But I'm taking the step forward to say that I'm acknowledging you as a human being, regardless of whether you want to acknowledge me, but it makes me feel good and opening up that opportunity to interact with uh, someone else. Indeed, indeed. People connections, very important. 
I so hardly believe in the concept of Ubuntu. I am because we are. My mom always said, you're only as good as the five people closest to you. So having the right people in place, but having the right supports in place is important regarding overall wellness and mental health. I want you to know that, you know, if you feel like you need help, if you want help, if you want support, there's a number of resources that can address our issues in the community. The short answer to getting them is probably dialing 211 on your cell phone or on a landline phone. Like who really has a landline phone in 2020? But you know, for those that do. 211, and that's the, um, it's like a resource line, you know, ask them for black mental health or ask them for health and mental health resources in the community. Another thing you can always do is like um, open your phone, go to Google Maps, put black men mental health or mental health professionals near me, blase blase, and they'll, those will show you who's in your local area and your parameters regarding getting the help you need or getting the support you need. Um, any final words? Um, I did want to just bring up a topic, um, and this might be a story that you guys might have thought about. Now, of course, we talked about individual mental health, but also how mental health is portrayed for Black men in society by other races of people. So this is probably like a year ago. There was a Black man, can't remember his name. I'll throw the story in our group chat later, but um, he actually knew that he needed some type of mental health. He went to his local mental health facility to be checked in, to be evaluated. And they actually turned him away and told him that well, there was nothing wrong with him. Like two days later, he killed his family. He killed like four family members. And he went for help before ever having these feelings, emotions, whatever triggered him. And today, of course, I'm pretty sure you guys saw what happened in Atlanta where this white male went on a rampage and he killed eight innocent people, four Asians, two white people, seven of which were female. Um, and on the news, the sheriff who we talked about on politics, just a little side thing here. Every time I go to Atlanta, I have never in my life, and I go to Atlanta often, at least two, three times a month, I have never seen a white police officer until it's time for a press conference. And this white police officer who happened to be the sheriff in this area had the audacity to say that this white boy was having a bad day. That's why he went on a rampage and killed eight innocent people. I don't give a damn what their skin color was. He killed eight innocent people. He was having a bad day. But when that black man needed help, those white people looked at him and told him that there was absolutely nothing wrong, nothing wrong with him. Sent him home and he did exactly what someone with a serious mental disability would do and he killed his fucking family. The reason I put these two stories out there, I guess my question to you guys is, do you feel like it's best that we help each other from within or just use general facilities for mental health because there are some people that can't just wake up in the morning and function normally like everybody else. Sometimes you need professional help. And I just don't think there is a group of whites, Asians, or any other race of people outside of our own people that can help us mentally. A group of white people turned that man away when he needed help. But then they want to put him in jail for life once he committed the crime. He told y'all he needed help. And these white terrorists are innocent. So that's just a question for you all. If I'll, you can just give like a brief, just synopsis of how you feel about it before we end the show today. Because I just feel like there are different levels to mental health for all of us, right. but specifically for black men, y'all aren't taken serious. Right. You're okay. You're gonna be okay. Sleep it off. You'll be fine. But white terrorists are innocent and having a bad day. So they can kill people and probably go to court and cry insanity. Whereas the black man, he didn't get insanity because they didn't have a history of him having mental problems. When he's tried to start his own history of him having a mental problem, they told him there was nothing wrong with him. What's your take on that? Uh, as some, some aspect of this is uh, systemic racism. All right. And uh, the, the, the second, aspect of it is individual racism, okay? The organization, the group that told the black man that there was nothing wrong with him, they discredited him as an individual, okay? So yes, I, I do agree with you that there are cultural things that we as black men face where a black, 
psychologists can help us through those times of, of mental disadvantage. Got it. And I agree. I, I believe that, you know, if they, we're more open, we'll be more open to talk to someone that looks like us, that shares right. or possibly shares a common experience. One, let's say you have you was walking, talking to a white therapist or a therapist of another culture or background. They have to get through all our vernacular and the way we speak, the languages we speak. You and I, we could talk about, we could just say, you know, I've been really focused on this George Floyd thing. Boom. And then that would that would cut off a lot of things versus the white therapist might want to explore what about it, what about this, what about that. If we say we up to here with it or something like that, they'll be like, well, what do you mean you're up to here with it? What do you actually mean, guy? You know what I'm saying? You know, there's a different, like our vernacular is sometimes a barrier when we're messing, when we're dealing with clinicians of different cultural backgrounds. And then only that, our norms aren't their norms. You know what I'm saying? They want to throw diagnoses on us that are part of our cultural and spiritual heritage, but they'll slap a bipolar on it. They'll slap an ADHD on it. In some cases, they'll slap a schizophrenia on it for people that come from Africa, oftentimes speak with their ancestors in spiritual um, interactions. And they'll say, oh, they're talking to people that aren't there. They must have um, audio and visual hallucinations. I mean, so it's like even the DSM-5, what we use to diagnose doesn't speak to us as a people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's my take on it too. It's just not built for us to properly evaluate and or diagnose anybody of color at all. Because some of the mental things that we've gone through, even if we didn't experience slavery like our ancestors and things like that, we go through a lot of systematic racism right here today, walking out of our front door. Damn. I remember being younger, of course, I would, we were all probably a lot more ignorant to racism. And the older I've gotten, the N-word is more prevalent. The um, um, people point out my skin color or my hair or different things like that. It's just like, but this is just who I am when I look in the mirror. When I wake up, this is the flavor of who I am or any other Black person, I'm sure. But society almost looks at us like we're pets. And it's, it's frustrating, to say the least. Um, and the reason um, I came up with this topic today for today's show, because we're actually next week, we're going to do another segment, which is going to be a part two. And it's going to be geared towards black women and our mental health. Um, but the reason I did you guys first, because I, again, I honestly, as, as much as we go through the black woman carries the world on her back, all that stuff, I really feel like the black man is not addressed near as much in this country for being anything other than a thug, a criminal, a prisoner, and everything negative. When, and you guys are literally the total opposite. The majority of black men are not that. But society won't dare turn a positive eye to what you really are. And to be completely honest with you, you are our doctors, our lawyers. You might be a small percentage of, but you're that. You're our therapists like Blue. You're our soldiers like Mr. Wright, all that stuff. And nobody wants to look at that. You got regular men sitting back every day watching how other Black men are portrayed when it's only a small percentage that are your criminals. There's only a small percentage of black men killing other black men, but they look at us as a whole, like all of our black men are just completely and utterly trash. And I'll never understand that. The only reason I feel like the black woman gets a little bit more respect is because that attitude that society hates, they want to emulate it so bad, but they hate it so much. We kind of have to take our respect and we do it a little bit differently. And again, you know how they look at us, no matter which gender, angry black man, angry black woman. We're not angry. We just demand respect. And that's all I have to say about that. Indeed, indeed. If you need any help, any resources, any support, always be, I welcome you to, you know, reach out. You can go to www.morethantherapy.org and Myself and my staff will be more than happy to point you in the right direction and assist you with finding resources in your local community. That's morethantherapy.org. Thank you for listening to this podcast and participating in this podcast on this occasion. Understand this, 
concept, Ubuntu, I am because we are. You're only as good as the five people closest to you. So make sure you have the right people around you. Thankful for Mercedes, who've been in my rock since 2009. Watch out now. <laughs> um, and that's that. Be well, be great. Hey man, huh? Who gon' turn me up some more, huh? Who gon' turn me up some more, huh? Uh, don't need to worry about it though, hey. They gon' turn me up some more, huh? Wicked in that side, nigga, stepping in my section, they gon' pivot when they slide. Uh, hey, man. Don't even worry.